0: I'm Pete George, and welcome to this episode of The Pete George Show, where we're going to be talking about politics, but not politics as such. We're going to be speaking about the political system and how it works in Australia. But we have a very special guest, the member for Theodore in Queensland, Mark Boothman. Welcome to the show, Mark.
1: Uh, Thank you, Peter. It's great to be here.
0: Thanks thanks once again. so you've got a fairly decent sized uh, electorate here in Queensland of Theodore. and so how long have you been the member of Theodore?
1: Well, uh, it's been over nine years, almost coming up to ten, so uh, certainly been doing the job for quite some time now and uh, yeah certainly understand. Uh the political process and uh, how things work and don't work. Yeah.
0: So the Australian system, what's that based on so people can get a good feel for it?
1: Well, the Australian system of uh, government um, is based on the British systems from the Westminster system. So it's a system of government which um, uh, was developed back in the the old uh, country of uh, England. And it's a system which is fundamentally... A a quite a robust uh, parliamentary system, which does give um, a lot more accountability than uh, a lot of upper-top governments around the world.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the beauties. Like, you have a look at the – I don't like saying it, but the mess over the last, what, four and a half years in the United States, Mm. and you don't see that here. There's no chance that you'd ever see a mess like that.
1: Yeah, well, with the Australian system under the the Westminster system, the – The executive is accountable to parliament. They have to be elected officials, whereas in the US they are just appointed by the president.
0: Okay. So is there any difference between states, territories and the federal system?
1: Yes. So um, we have a very interesting system over here. um, We're a commonwealth of uh, states that um, retain enormous amounts of power. So, the to get the states to agree originally back in uh, 1901 to become a federation, um, the states um, wanted to retain most of their uh, powers over each and a, each and individual states. And therefore, um, yeah, it uh, certainly does cause a lot of confusion out there because a lot of residents think that uh, the Prime Minister can come in and say to a state, you've got to do this and you've got to do that, and... Uh, Amazingly, though, he doesn't have the power to.
0: Yeah, and COVID sort of brought that out, and this is one of the reasons why I want to talk about this because people are starting to, if you look on social media, saying, oh, we want to get rid of the two major parties, blah, 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 blah. But as we get further into this, I think people understand that it's not that easy to get rid of the major parties, but I think there needs to be something done with the the state parties. That's just a personal opinion, but... (laughs) So Queensland's a little bit different, but we'll, we'll talk about it in general. And what are the roles of the upper house and the lower house?
1: Okay, so the lower house is the Legislative Assembly in the states or, or the House of Representatives federally. Um, when it comes to the upper house, that's the, obviously the Senate federally and the council, Legislative Councils in the states. So the, the upper house is a House of review. So it's designed to review the legislation coming through the uh, House of Representatives or the Legislative uh, Councils.
0: So one of the the anomalies, though, and I I think we're the only state, Queensland, not to have a Legislative Council or an Upper House.
1: Yes, that's correct. Okay.
0: So what does that give the party in power the power to do?
1: Um, What that means you've got no house review and therefore whoever controls the lower house in Queensland has absolute power. So there's no... There's no checks and balances.
0: No checks and balances. So with everything that happens in relation to, and and a a lot of people would have seen this in the news, so it is a a news point uh, with the way the hospitals are at the moment and have been for many a, a long time, and ramping of ambulances and things like that. There's no cross-balances, nothing that no-one can do other than stand there and stamp up and down. Like David Fool, who's the opposition leader, he's got some documents out there today that shows how bad it's all going, but there's nothing an opposition technically can do and there's no-one to stop anything that can happen.
1: Yeah, so the... So- Unfortunately, in our system in Queensland, unlike the other states, uh, we don't actually have that House of Review to actually add that check and balance. So, for instance, uh, as an example, what we've done in Queensland, we've actually said in a committee system, but fundamentally the committee system really is powerless. It makes recommendations, but... Um, there's a casting vote from the committee chair, and therefore that just means that whatever the government actually recommends for the committee um, will be accepted by the committee. So even if the opposition strongly objects to what's actually happening, so you normally have, as an example, you normally have three government members and uh, three opposition, or one crossbench and two opposition Unfortunately, because the chair is a government member, they get the casting vote, so no matter what, um, it's going to be in favour for the government.
0: Yeah, so in layman's terms, you probably hear, um, especially in federal politics, that they'll read a bill. And then that'll go through. Then it'll go up to the upper house. The upper house will read that bill, make amendments, bring it back until every party basically has had some sort of say in it. And but with Queensland, it's just gung ho. So if they let's take for for example the twenty thirty two Olympics. Now they've won that. Now they can spend whatever they like between now and getting. To that Olympic stage, and no one can stop them. Basically,
1: yeah. So the the main issue, though, is um, in
0: Queensland,
1: unlike the other states, because you don't have that check and balance, you don't actually have that other input and the other ideas. So, for instance, the government
0: has, as I said, has unfettered power, yeah, and that's that's to me that's. Like, I I grew up in Victoria and we had the upper house, lower house, and when we first moved up here in 2004, Mm -hmm. that was a big shock that there was no accountability for either party. It doesn't matter whether it's Liberal or Labor. Whoever's in power has that that power, and to me it's just frustrating. And a lot of people don't... um, understand that. I, I don't think when you start looking at Queensland politics that a lot of people just don't understand the nuances about that and the consequence to it. Like we live in the or Theodore is the northern Gold Coast. So if people overseas are in a state, if you've been to Queensland and you've been to the theme parks, that's where we are. Yes. And we're the largest or the fastest growing corridor. In Queensland. And the project for the M1 to be widened has been on the books forever. It was promised at the last federal election. And now I think we're up to the fifth or sixth incarnation of it. And it looks like the cost is blowing out and it probably won't happen.
1: Yeah, it, it, it'll go ahead. The The issue is the government will have to find the extra money for it. But um, going forward, though, one of the biggest problems we've actually had in Queensland for many years is forward planning. We haven't been forward planning our road infrastructure and our transport networks. And for any economy to be a a flourishing economy, we need to ensure that um, we can get our goods from A to B very efficiently. And yesterday, I actually put a question on notice about the Southern southern Transport Corridor. The Southern Transport Corridor is an east-west corridor And I'm going to start pushing that now because the issue is, okay. yes, the Coomera Connector, they're slowly progressing that, but we also need an east-west corridor to connect the Gold Coast to southern Logan City out to Itswich. That would create enormous amount of job opportunities and also for our local tradies who are working out in those areas would halve their travel
0: time. Yeah, well, last night, and that was an absolute tragedy, at lunchtime yesterday, there was a... a a serious accident on Brisbane Road and uh, Jane, my wife, she left work at five o'clock and it was still blocked. She rung me at five thirty and she was just the other side of Harbour Town. Mm. And there's no nowhere to go. And this is and and from just travelling Australia, a lot of the cities have this problem of forward planning on, on transport. But we can do that on another show and yes. <laughs> get further and further deeper into it. But in Australia, we have the preferential system uh, of voting. So how does that work and what does it influence?
1: Um, one thing, okay, so you've got um, in some countries, uh, you've got uh, just vote one for one individual um, in Australia, you've actually got a preferential system where you have to mark every single box, so mark the boxes of every candidate um, to who you deem appropriate. Um, it seems a lot of people I know don't particularly like it that much um, because, um, as they would say to me, well, we only know one person, the, one of the candidates. He's the person I want to vote for or she's the person I want to vote for. And therefore, um, why should we have to mark all these other boxes?
0: Yeah, it's it's frustrating because when you get down to it and you, you break it all, all down, um, and this is another area that is going to be, uh, I think, a factor in the f- next federal election, is that where those preferences go from the party, not so much from the person voting. Um, for instance, they might not want to get... Liberals back in, so they might go to a minor party. Which, when you look on social media, this is where a lot of people want to go. And for me, if you do that in the lower house, so where your prime minister sits and all the treasurers and everything, if you don't think about it down there, there's consequence. Whereas if you go to a minor party in the Senate, that's a different kettle of fish because if you go say One Nation, One Nation's preferences normally go to, normally, not all the time, but they normally go to the Liberal mm. Party, Greens, we all know go to Labor. And I don't think people understand that even though it, you know those uh, parties, a lot of the smaller parties preference out as well. So, um, What can be the major consequence if you don't think about where you mark?
1: So one of the main issues that uh, voters need to uh, realise also that uh, if you do vote for a minor party um, and that individual, as an example, gets up in the Senate, um, they will have uh, certain views that um, um, you... Are unsure of in the future in the respect that they may come up with some ideas that you would be opposed to, yet you have given them that vote and also too that um, it does slow down good legislation to go through the parliament because um, governments have to negotiate with those minor parties, and a lot of times those legislation has to be um, uh, rechecked or um, modified, which would mean uh, that potentially there would um, additional funds for a certain electorate. And many years ago we actually had a a period of time where in the, I believe it was the Gillard period, we had three independents, and um, one of the members um, in uh, northern New South Wales, he was getting so much money spent on his electorate um, simply to buy his vote.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the frustrating thing from it. When it's like, I, I don't mind people like One Nation, um, Jackie Lambie down in Tasmania. They've been there a long period of time, and and they uh, sort of get the idea of what they're trying to achieve. Mm. Whereas if you get the rural small parties, and we see that in Victoria and their upper house, some of the parties. They're really, really weird and they do buckle because someone says, Oh, we'll give you some money into your electorate and I think that's the danger. Whereas the danger for me in the lower house is that you may think you might be voting the right way, but the way the preferences will roll out, <laughs> that the party that you don't want to get in may get in. And yes. and that's Which normally happens. Yeah. And that's where um uh, I'll probably get shot for mentioning his name on the podcast, but Paul Murray mm-hmm. uh, is adamant about you know voting discipline. Whether you vote mm-hmm. Labor or or if you lean Labor or if you lean Liberal, understand the ballot paper. Yep, and the preferences. Right? And the preferences how they how they go because not uh, unlike a lot of countries around the world, we have compulsory voting, so it's something you got to do. And I just get. It's just something about me, but I just get a little bit frustrated when people get a bit blasé about their votes, and it's it's frustrating. So um, we mentioned it earlier, but why don't we have the first pass the post? Because um, we had it here in Queensland for a while, where you could just tick number one and... Whoever you wanted to represent yeah. you in that area, and off yeah, so, off.
1: yeah it was optional preferential voting. Um, that was changed um, a few years back uh, because it was politically expedient at the time for the um, the government, um, which would mean which was designed to actually hurt the opposition, which I'm a member of yep. um, at the time. So, um, unfortunately, again, that brings in the problem with the Queensland uh, parliamentary system because we have no upper house to potentially stop that.
0: Yeah, so, but in the, um, I don't know how the, to me I don't know how the uh, territories work. I think they're, they're, uh...
1: yeah, so you've got, uh, like, as an example, we've got um, some voting systems in Australia, which is the Hare Clark system. Which is you get a lot of amount of um, a certain amount of members per um, per seat, so to speak. Um, whereas our system is based um, heavily on the individual electorate has um, a certain amount of population. And only a few years ago, we actually increased our um, parliamentary members to uh, ninety. Uh, was it ninety three? Ninety three. And the reason being is our populations were getting bigger and bigger. And they felt um, they needed to uh, ensure that there was a bit more uh, re- representation, especially for the smaller electorate areas.
0: Yeah, and the, the reverse has happened. The population's gone out of Northern Territory mm. and they're going to lose mm. the seat. So it all swings yeah. and, and balances. But yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, I think a lot of people would prefer just to be able to walk in there on voting yes. day and go, that's the person I want. And that's it. So, in a in a say for a hypothetical in the um, just the one vote system, how does that then get shifted into preferences for that person? So, say for instance, um, this electorate, uh, someone voted for someone that wasn't attached to a major party. Yep. Does that vote then shift to someone else, or it just doesn't get counted?
1: Okay, so, for instance, if it was a purely um, uh, first-past-the-post uh, vote, it would mean that there would be no preference taken over okay. to the next person.
0: So, yep, that's that's a smarter system.
1: Yeah, so that's what the um, – in the UK, they actually run that type of system. Yeah. and um, Which gives a good indication exactly what the people want in that area. Though they, they want to vote for a certain uh, – right. Uh, certain individual or political yep. party, and no preferences are
0: distributed. Yeah, because then that'll sort of weed out some of the what I call insignificant parties that shouldn't be in politics, but mm. that's my point of view. So, um, for people that don't know, Australia is broken up into I normally get this wrong, it's six states and two, te- two territories. Mm. And, um, The territory sort of, to me, they don't seem to... I don't know why they are, (laughs) to to be honest, still territories, but that's...
1: Yeah, it's something that um, uh, some time ago there was a um, discussion in... I believe it could have been, um, just going by memory, um, there would have been a referendum, I believe, with the uh, Northern Territory, which they um, opted to stay as a um, territory. True,
0: yeah, and not a state. So I hope everybody sort of gets a bit better understanding of how the system works. We'll do a few more shows leading up somewhere between now and May, I think it is next year. There's got to be a, a federal election. Um, you can pop onto our podcast uh, site and leave messages there if you've got any questions, political uh, there's a couple of blokes in the area that I know that'll probably be able to answer them for you. So the best place to do that is at podcast.petegeorge.com. But uh, Mark, if someone's got a question for you, what's the best way for them to get in contact with um, you?
1: Certainly, give my office a call or I'll send us an email, and uh, I'll, you, I'll send you all those details so you yep. can post them on your um, on the podcast. Yeah, so um, That's information.
0: Once again, I know Mark's very, very busy. If you ever wanted a politician to work for your, your electorate, Mark's one of those. He's uh, He responded to me at 1 o'clock in the morning. He's always responds to his um, messages and things like that, which is great. Uh, he's always out at community events, and he never stops trying to help the area. Like, for instance, he's, he's forever putting... What are they on on notice, messages on notice? Questions on on notices. Questions on notices and and things like that to better the the area. Um, But there is one um, question that I will get into a political side of things and a lot of people have sort of mentioned it in the area and everything like that is the lack of police in our area.
1: Yeah, well, that's certainly a
0: a bugbear of mine. Uh,
1: we desperately need need more police. Um, at the moment, there's a lot of police down on the border, um, which is um, restricting the amount of officers we actually have up here at the moment. And um, we've got hooning situations. We've got um, drag racings along uh, Reserve Road, um, out at the back of Tambourine, uh, Tambourine-Oxford Road, uh, Mawson Road, um, Discovery Drive. It is everywhere.
0: Yeah, we, we're in a perfect foreign line where we live, but... But, yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating, um, you know, like you you can't keep on... For me, you can't keep on using COVID as an excuse. There's got to be a point in time where you've got to uh, go back to the job that we're, the people are paying people to do.
1: Well, I think the other thing too is, and I find this with a lot of residents, they're sick and tired of um, the system allowing individuals who commit crimes. um, They're sick of lenient sentencing. They're sick of um, people not taking responsibility for their own actions. And that's something that does desperately need to be changed in our state because, um, as we see on the TV on a regular basis, you've got break and enters, you see it on
0: Facebook,
1: you see these individuals who literally just laugh at the law. Yeah, and
0: it's... um I think it's a, a problem globally now. Uh, it's not just here in our little neck of the woods, but it's uh, a global global issue. But once again, Mark, I really, really appreciate your time. I think I've taken a little bit more than we wanted to, but <laughs> that <laughs> thing fun. happens. But, yeah, I just hope that um, yeah everybody got something from that little chat with Mark and uh, hopefully uh, we can get Mark and talk about a few more uh, more local topics. And if you're free and you're happy to talk, we can talk a little bit more when we get closer to a a federal election and uh, have a chat about a few issues on that. Happy to. All right, Mark. Well, thanks once again, and go and enjoy your day. All right.
1: Thanks for having me.